There's a lot of things about my podcast you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, coming up next. Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And is this both of us? Just me? Just you? Uh, Yeah, I've never seen this before, too. But Tim, this is uh, your first ever Pee Wee Herman experience ever. I can't say that myself. I've seen a Netflix movie, but that's about it. So, yeah, I never really uh, attracted to me. It felt like that weird, um, like 80s kids kind of thing, you know, like the, the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you movie, think that? Do I think that? Like, yeah, I mean, reading into, to you know, the origins of Pee Wee, right? Like he was a stage character written by Paul Rubens and, um, Oh, who's the guy from SNL Simpsons? It was and Phil so Hartman. Phil Hartman. It was they yeah. wrote it for and then HBO and it was a little more more adult humor in there, subtly woven in. And then with the movie, they were like, okay, well, this is gonna attract kids, so you gotta tone that down. They, they, yeah, they definitely toned it down in a minute. I mean, it started in the groundlings of Phil Hartman, and um Phil Hartman co-wrote this script also, you know, the guy from yeah. the Simpsons, Small Soldiers, other things like that. Pee Wee Herman de- debuted on the ga- dating game show, that cheesy 70s show. And then uh, he got the stage show, which led to an HBO special of the stage show that he toured everywhere. He sold out Carnegie Hall, like good venues and stuff like that. And then Warner Brothers was like, okay, make your movie. You know, here's your script. Like, you, we want you to do a Pee Wee Herman movie. And him and Phil Hartman, Paul, Paul Rubens and Phil Hartman, never have written a script before. So they pretty much uh, bought a book that was how to write a script. And they followed that to a T when writing this movie. So, I mean, like, they pretty much try to keep it on track as much as they could because they're like, what the fuck we're doing right here? <laughs> and I think it worked out, though, in a, in a great way. <laughs> this is a delightful movie to watch. And this is also, what, our third Tim Burton movie? Um... Yeah, I mean, pretty much our big directors on this pod now are Paul Verhoeven and Tim Burton. So, I mean, like, some company we're keeping. <laughs> I'll be honest. When we started this podcast, I never thought we'd be, like, diving this deep into Tim Burton and Paul Verhoeven <laughs> filmography. Um, and I would say not, not, that's not a discredit to either of them. But I will say yeah. I feel like Tim Burton definitely has, like, a very weird reputation because, like, all of his stuff up until, like, Ed Wood is is good is like really good and then yeah. it's a, a few hits here or there and then a bunch of misses. Well, I think uh, it's his post like two thousands career. I mean, like once he gets the to like the Planet of the Apes, that's I, I when think, it gets kind of dreadful. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could say like Mars Attacks is like I know you like Mars Attack, but it, that wasn't as well received. Um, because then it's Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Ape. Like Big Fish is really good, um, but like the Ew. Alice in Wonderland remake. Oh, yeah, m- oh, we're never gonna cover <laughs> uh, the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Ooh, Dolly, like things that should have stayed on the shelf. Um, and like he did the Dumbo remake, which I completely had forgotten from my brain that that was a thing. I mean, it's been a rough like 
20 years. 20 years. Yeah, let's say 20 years at this point for Tim Burton. But I mean, like, this is where you guys start. I mean, I'm excited for Deep Beal just too. And Wednesday, which he directed a few episodes, was a fun little show. So I think he's gained slightly on track or just realizing, like, hey, IP works for me, you know? I, well, I was going to save it for the episode, but I, I felt more like I think the big distinction between like early Tim Burton stuff, I don't, and I'd have to rewatch some of like his big flops, but I would say like it's always been his like vision, and that's always come from like carefully crafted set design and like fantastic cinematography that really gives that effect and that feeling. Mm. And when he converts to pretty much CG exclusively, that's when like the movies don't connect as well and it's just that like uncanny valley that we've talked about and and i didn't check out wednesday um i would if uh you know netflix uh stopped didn't restrict uh, accounts and (laughs) i've been on my parents account for for years and uh Uh, it's more it's more of a protest to netflix at this point of just being like i'm not doing what you want me to do like i know the joint I could do it. You're, I I could do it. I, That's not a problem. But I'm just not going oh, to. I was gonna say. I was gonna say you're gonna do the George Costanza. Like you can't fire me because I quit. Can't have a thing of Netflix. Uh, well, there's so the much... curse happened to me. <laughs> the curse there, happened the... to me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What are you saying? The curse. The curse of Netflix happened to me. Where uh, you know, same thing. I mean, I think all of us uh, run our age <laughs> on our parents' Netflix accounts. Uh, I got the you know you can't use this account on my uh, Roku. And I'll tell you about other stuff off mic because I don't want Netflix to fucking hear anything. <laughs> I like that. I yeah. like that. So definitely looking for video podcasts now. That, now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that everybody's on strike, they're like, what's really cheap we could get made? Okay. Video podcast. Yeah. Netflix. If you'd like a video podcast, we're, we're here for you 100%. Um, yeah. But Tommy, uh, did you go see anything in the theater? See anything new, interesting? Yeah, um, so we I, just after I talked about the Meg uh, a couple weeks ago on the pod, I finally saw the Meg 2. I, I can't say finally because I saw opening weekend. But um, I think the Meg 2 was a lot more fun than the first one. I mean, pretty much check your expectations as I'm going to watch a dumb, fun action movie and you'll be perfectly fine. I mean, like there's a scene where, spoiler, jo- uh, Jason Statham, 20,000 uh, feet under the sea, goes free diving without any scuba equipment whatsoever to go to another Hell hatch yeah. and Hell goes in right there and it's like, yeah. oh the pressure's not gonna kill him because he can breathe through his nose i'm like all right cool i got it let's go movie this is dumb logic but i'm here for it <laughs> oh hell yeah that's i mean that's what i want from the, the yeah. meg too i i don't want any semblance of logic in this movie i just want yeah. cool <laughs> stuff like happening on the screen like this is a b movie that's getting the production of an a movie and yeah. like you have to really lean into that B movie side of things to make it make it work. So it does that. Yeah, it, it does exactly that. I mean, like, you know, the shark attack deaths are fun. I mean, there's some side fights are like a little whatever. I mean, like yeah. a little wonky. It could probably cu- cut back a little bit of time. But I mean, I think it was just a fun time where it delivered what I expected, which is fucking people getting eaten by giant sharks and then fun, cool scuba deaths. Like someone gets pressurized death or something like that. So it's it's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, in terms of what I saw recently, it wasn't much of movies. The only thing I can comment on is watching like three fourths of the Lost World on TV, like literally on TNT. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a perfect TNT movie. <laughs> it's a perfect TNT movie, but I, 
and I know I didn't get to the end, which are, I haven't seen that since I was probably seven or eight years old. Like it's been a very long time since I, cause I'm kind of in the, I, there's one I, Jurassic Park movie and the rest kind of stink. Well, yeah, I, I remember um, like the only thing I can remember about the movie, I haven't seen this as a kid too, but my, uh, my brother and I just love the part where he, uh, the T-Rex crashed into the black yeah, I didn't, video. I didn't get, I didn't get that part, which I remember. <laughs> I also remember as a kid and that being like the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, from to where i got to it is just very like it still has some of that spielberg like cinematic magic like the the camera moving and stuff but the the story is kind of boring it's just like uh jeff goldblum has to go rescue his girlfriend who's on the other island because there was another island where they developed the dinosaurs um and it's just very oddly paced especially compared to like the original jurassic park which was just it's like beautiful in terms of its execution um and it like they the the two kids they bring them back when he goes to hammond's house and they're just like they completely recasted those two not not the same actors it's like you didn't need to force the grand like have like a two minute scene with the like remember these characters yep they're here they're here again even though they're not going to show up again in the movie Um, yeah they're completely different i mean I, I remember liking this movie a lot as a kid, but the only things I can remember are pretty much, like I said, the T-Rex, the blockbuster, and the girl, like, somersault kicking, like a velociraptor or, yeah, or something. I, and <laughs> I, to to be fair to the, I watched it with commercials and, like, got, like, three, like, halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie. Like, I, I, did you did you give up or are you like, oh, I have other plans? Uh, no, I just had, I, like, had to go somewhere and it yeah. just, it just so happened that, like, I was watching that and then I was like, okay. But, I mean, it, it was cool to, I guess, like, see, maybe I'll give it, like, a full fair watch if I ever see yeah. it on streaming. Like, it's not going to be one I pay for, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's probably better than Jurassic Park 3, but that's not saying much yeah, the franchise is mixed but um i'm curious it's not mixed it's, it's not mixed it's like one like pantheon film and then the rest is just a bunch of crap well we found out today that uh ryan davy the guy who made our theme song um ryan yoso um has never seen Jurassic Park all the way through so that could be a future episode Ooh, bring him on. oh that'd be great i'd love to watch jurassic park for the pod um any any excuse any yeah, we're literally on the any excuse train to watch like a really great movie to to. Get that, that's like half the thing. That's half the thing. Where I was like, oh, like I'm gonna watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Why don't we just cover it on the fucking pod? <laughs> that, that, that's how it came to it. Yeah, and then you didn't. It uh, was not disclosed about Paul Rubin's past, but we'll get into it anyway. <sighs> this is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Warner Brothers is proud to present the story of a rebel. Morning. I'm here. And his bike. James Bond stop. Stop that nun! Together for the first time. And the first big movie. What? What? Pee-wee Herman is Pee-wee Herman in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. So this is um my first foray into Pee-wee, Herman, uh, just all together. Like I, I, as we stated at the top, um, I think it was just like after my time. And then I also, my, my parents were like, oh, um, what movie are you covering this week? Like both separately. And I was both like, I was like, oh, Pee-wee's big adventure. And they were like, 
oh, why would you cover that? Like, oh, that actor is terrible. Oh, I dislike him. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that about it. Um, I, I I read through the controversy section of Wikipedia, like, right as you said that. I mean, I knew, obviously, the one of him jerking off on the back of a porno theater. I mean, like, you're in a porno theater, whatever, fucking Pee Wee Herman. Uh, listen, that's on him for not, for, like, just not keeping it in his pants. You know, like, the, the first one is like, come on, dude. Like, what are, what are you doing? Um, mm. But it it's, yeah, the second one is, like, kind of convoluted where they found a bunch of like there was a search warrant on a bunch of different um there was items. a search warrant the search warrant that uh pretty much got Jeffrey Jones, the guy who played uh Ferris Bueller's uh principal, or uh Winona Ryder's dad and Beale Juice, like he got fucking um a fuck ton of what's it called? Vintage um, like, vintage like, erotica. Yeah. Well, I mean, like uh he essentially became a witness in Jeffrey Jones' case. And then he turned himself over, but I mean, like from what it looks like, you know, he's cleared of all charges or said there's no well, he, real blank. Well, he did not guilty and took lesser charges than like, you know, in possession of child pornography. But um, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, it kind of complicates the legend of, uh, of a, like a child star, you know, like, I think it's, there's a lot of dirty people in Hollywood, um, and it does come down to the like it's the old um roman polanski uh issue is can you separate the the art from the artist like and i i'm perfectly capable of that and i don't hold that in any weight against peewee's big adventure there's hundreds of people involved with that movie paul rubin is just one major aspect of it um I, I for me like i don't know enough other than like a wikipedia blurb about it um i just it's 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 interesting like conversation like where do you fall on the like separating the art from the artist kind of kind of debate I, I mean it definitely depends on like who the artist is i mean like i i i'll still watch a, a kevin spacey movie but i'm not gonna see a new kevin spacey movie, uh, movie. like well i don't no, think you're it, gonna i don't think you're going to get a new kevin spacey movie well i mean that's fair too i mean like bill cosby i mean granted it helped that like bill cosby for example just like fucking done right there i mean like obviously never gonna see it and i've I've dealt with like in the past of like you know a podcaster i liked to like find out they, they came off like terrible allegations it's like all right cool i'm not gonna support this person whatsoever i'm not gonna listen to the shit um the paul rubens thing i mean i've been reading so many of his obituaries um and you know they highlighted the, the 1992 case i didn't or 1991 case the 2002 arrest wasn't really mentioned and in a lot of ways it just cleared up that he had some vintage magazines and you know i don't think that he was a pedophile the way jeffrey jones was but no I'm, and i'm not putting them in that realm together because jeffrey jones is completely different than than paul rubens but uh and i wasn't expecting to address this off the top here but i think it's it's an interesting note that you have to make with with some and i think it's just more that peewee's adventure is a children's film uh, it's tim burton's first feature film um mm. and it you know and he you know after the success of this like peewee's playhouse was like directed towards children and like getting arrested for indecent exposure at an x-rated movie theater owning finding them over seventy thousand items of of vintage pornography um you know it's not great it's not it's not 
yeah. which is not great for a child performer. I'm just going to, you know, put it out there. Uh, so probably explains why my parents are like, yeah, no, we don't want this guy. We don't want to show our son this guy's stuff, which is why I just never saw it. That's where we started from. But <laughs> that aside, I enjoyed Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I will say like the, like while watching it the first like the first act or so i was kind of sitting there being like all right what is like where is this gonna go like i had Mm. no context no no background no no anything to it um i i think it's a for a character like peewee who's you know kind of like a a child performer the character has a lot of depth without a lot of like internal monologue and internal dialogue in terms of like the many sides of him like like when we're introduced to him and his with his dream and then into his like playhouse like his his house it's like full we get the sense that he's got like a very unique style to him which is very of a tim burton kind of character a very specific methodology it's kind of crazy that he almost immediately like fits into Tim Burton mold. I mean, like obviously Tim Burton directed, so his style is going to be all over this movie, but I feel like that his style just works perfectly at Pee Wee Herman, who was a character for years before Tim Burton. It's not like Tim Burton created this character and wrote this movie. Not at all. But I mean, like also it helped that, like, you know, you have frequent uh, future Tim Burton collaborators like Danny Elfman writing the score of this movie and the score mm-hmm. of this movie I thought was immediately great immediately putting in that cartoonish vibe it yeah like, it, it Dan that that was like this is like a Danny Elfman like strength right here is, is are yeah. these kind of movies he, he knocks us out of the park in his sleep this is a typical Danny Elfman the, the, score but this it's is great <laughs> this is another day around the park for Danny Elfman um yeah. But yeah, then you get to just like Dottie, the girl that works at the bike store that seems to have like a crush on him. And like she was in Valley Girl and it was great seeing her again in another A's movie because I haven't seen her act. She was the voice of Tommy Pickles. And you can kind of see why that she just fits perfectly in this like kid mold where like, you know, the whole crush thing, she plays off of him perfectly at first as like a straight woman as like you know just like, you know, the character just like, what the fuck is this doing right here? Or just dumbfounded by what he's doing. But she plays off him perfectly, I think. Yeah, and she kind of is supposed to be the the quote unquote the love interest, I, I suppose, if if there is mm. anything in that. Um, in that, and you know, he Pee Wee kind of has this like side that he. I get the sense that he's a very selfish character, right? Like he's got this charm and like can elevate people around him. But it's only going mm-hmm. to be when it's serving his self-interests. It's not going to be for to do good onto others just for the sake of doing good onto others, right? Like, no, um, it, I get he he's just like a childlike innocence in the way that just like you know the whole tone of the film just plays off it too. There's so many situations in this movie where like Pee Wee's like on the verge of getting his fucking ass beat or just like just like being such a dipshit in situations but somehow just his innocence just gets him through these situations just like kind of like dumb luck in a way that plays off in a hilarious way over and over again yeah and i mean i i thought the best uh the best uh version of that was when uh he when he uh is hitchhiking along the road and he uh what's the what's his name uh, he's played by judd omen um 
Oh, Mickey. Mickey, yeah, the escape, escape convict. Cup. And then he, yeah. you know, they dress up in drag somehow because it's just in Pee Wee's bag, like his little yeah. <laughs> hobo, his little hobo stick that he takes with him. Um, and the cops like eyeing him up and down, being like, Yeah, you have a good day, ma'am. And they're both like, Okay, like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. We'll, be, we'll be good to go then. Um, I, I thought that the one where it really didn't work for me was the biker bar. With oh, tequila. No. I, I, I know I, I knew you're I knew you're gonna love that. I would yeah. Especially kind of... the, the biker girl was also Cassandra, you know, um uh, or uh Elvira, um Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> that was that actress right there. But I, I just thought the tequila scene was just fucking hilarious. I feel like that almost feels like it was in Beetlejuice too, but I know it's a different song. Yeah, for me it, it just felt like totally different and it felt like in the script they just hit this wall going, oh, I don't know how we get them out of this one. Like we have violent people that are being like, Yeah, let's hang them. Oh, but first let's kill him and then we'll hang him or whatever. And then he just dances tequila and then they give him a motorcycle. And it's like, hmm, okay. Oh, I I know the tone over and over again it's just like the most absurd thing of like how is he gonna get out of this and of course this is a movie that like you know if you know they're themselves in the corner they're just like oh this is bullshit it i just think that there's so many scenes in this movie that like i think that the joy of this movie the joy of Wee herman as a character in general from like what i've seen of the netflix movie too is just it's absurdly to the point of like being a joke to death and then once that joke is dead going past it to a point that it becomes funny again like the scene of him um, immediately after the bike gets stolen and he uh, looks at all the bikes going around him and he sees different bikes over and over and over and over and over again. At a point that's like, okay, let's just get past this joke. But then they keep doing it in a way that's yeah. just fucking hilarious. And that, that worked <laughs> for me. I just didn't get that that sense in the um, in the biker scene, in the uh, in in that realm like for me it just i felt a little disconnected from it it just felt like they put him in a biker bar and then i know said well I, okay if he dances to tequila and then they're all on his side but i it just didn't feel like it just didn't work for me i i don't yeah. know it, it can work for some people it, can, it doesn't work for other people that's just how i felt about it it's yeah. probably the um, only moment in the movie that didn't really work for me and then because otherwise the stuff like you know the uh he, he forgets his wallet when he's at the diner and then immediately becomes just like the dishwasher yeah and, and that's be, and, uh, gets a romantic connection with that girl or whatever Some, not even romantic it was just like friend, platonic it was just pure, yeah. platonic friendship yeah, yeah, yeah um and then her boyfriend uh continues just uh like chasing him around in san antonio where he runs into simone and she's going on the bus to paris uh, and he does the bull riding like I thought that like all that whole sequence like worked for me perfectly. Um, uh, my favorite character, though, has to be a uh, large Marge. Oh, yeah. Like the great, ghost, like great, just one off, like so, random, like like could have just did been you nothing. know? Did you know about the large Marge scene beforehand before watching this movie? No, I had no. I knew that, like I knew there was going to be a joke to it, just making sense to it. But yeah, I, I, I didn't like Lord as someone that's never seen this movie either, Large Marge was the one thing pop culture osmosis wise that I just knew about. Where apparently it was like something that, like back in the 80s, when kids sell us movie, Large Marge just like traumatized them that one scene. And you can totally see why. I mean, like it's a Tim Burton, like claymation thing. Like you can see, play the same shit in Beetlejuice like a couple years later. 
but it just works in a way that I was like, oh fuck, this is I, I right when I got to it, I was like, this is the large march scene. Holy shit, I can't wait to watch this finally. I I just got the the idea that um like I the only thing I pictured in my head from it was the Billy Madison scene uh with the sloppy joes lady where she's like, I got you sloppy joes here. I know you like them extra sloppy. And he's like, Lady, you're scaring us. Like that was the I was like, that is the same character uh in my yeah. brain. Like that's that's all that's like that was my only connection to 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 large Marge. Uh but I loved that. It was like a perfect thing where the diatribe of like 10 years ago i saw the worst accident ever on this exact day whatever and tell everybody here you know large marge and then they're like no large marge died and i saw the worst that and i was like that's good that's a nice little play on it like you're not gonna see yeah. that one coming necessarily um so it was, it was cute and I, I i just i intended like i i think my problem was like in the first like 10 minutes i was like is peewee herman just going to annoy the crap out of me for the next you minutes. totally you totally feel at the beginning it's just like there's a slight edge with the Pee Wee herman character where it could easily go over the point where it's just like this is just annoying and just obnoxious and just not funny but yeah. he toes that line in a great way and i don't think he goes over that yeah and i i think like because i think there's this scene like i'd mentioned like he's a child like there's a childhood innocence when in which comes with it is like an inherent selfishness that you're only mm-hmm. going to think within your lens not within anybody else's lens uh like when he runs into francis who's like i want to buy your bike and he's like no like i didn't really get that from him there like like that extra like character dynamic the extra layer that kind of makes him more interesting like i just kind of felt like is he a man that's on the spectrum and it was the 1980s and like they didn't really know about these things (laughs) they just didn't talk about it um I, um, I like that that was because like i mean he's like if in a modern lens he is certainly somewhere a, on that spectrum yeah in a 2023 lens he totally plays off that way but like, more is the time in the 80s um it's just amazing just like again of like the absurdity of like where and the selfishness of the character where he immediately treats his bike being stolen just like his wife got murdered and immediately how the film just parodies hitchcock where it's just like the deep thriller score of just like oh my god he's passed out and just like how terrible and awful this is sorry kid the cops can't help you out here and he backs into a wall full of fucking bikes just like a hitchcock shot right yeah. there <laughs> yeah and then like when they're in the basement and he's got like all the townspeople being like okay we gotta yeah. break and move and blah, 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 and it's like <laughs> we gotta go and then it just immediately just keeps on fucking going and going and going now i'm to option 25 where this could have happened on mars right here <laughs> yeah and it, it, it's it's there's just there's a just an underlying charm uh, of that innocence and i i think really like i would actually say that the movie like what what's going to hold it together is the scene with simone and and that like i i think you can't have this movie without it because i think that is just where like the heart and soul of, of this movie lies where she talks about her dreams what she wants out of life like how mm-hmm. her boyfriend who she doesn't really like that much like doesn't want to go to go to paris with her like that's her dream and i I, like i think that's the layer of like peewee being able to get strangers to open up to him uh in that way and even mickey in that sense like completely trusting him and completely like opening up to him in a way that you just wouldn't like expect that character to 
like it gives the movie this this heart and soul that like it it needs so badly because otherwise it's just like a kind of annoying character for 90 minutes on the screen yeah yeah exactly it could easily get irritating i feel like cartoons over the years have had p herman type characters that just get grating very quickly mm-hmm. um i mean like a lot of watching this movie um made me think so much of like Wee herman like we won't have spongebob i, th- I think it wasn't Wee herman and there's very uh, similar characteristics of the two characters of just like the eternal goof forever you know or like uh childhood innocence of both characters in a way that's almost grating <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah that's a good connection there tommy i never really put two and two together well also this is my first rodeo with a character like peewee herman um Mm. but yeah i i I never really connected the two of them together also it was it was great uh seeing burt reynolds at the end in this the the oh no no, that that wasn't wasn't burt reynolds that was Uh, james brolin Oh damn! I like I I just was like I should have clicked <laughs> the Amazon thing and saw who it was. So I the wasn't X-ray, wrong. Yeah. So I wasn't uh, wrong in this moment, but I didn't do that, and I was just like fully committed into like this looks like Smokey and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, and I'm just gonna yeah. roll with it. I mean, I mean, it plays off in a very similar way, but just the fact that James Brolin, random A-list star at the time, and it was like the feature part, and then Pee Wee Herman's voice is dubbed over. It reminds me of SpongeBob, the episode of the commercial, where he's like, hey, I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, a little bit of the Mike Wazowski, uh, can you believe it? I'm on the front page of the cover. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I, it just, it's charming. It's like the perfect length. Like if it was any longer than 90 minutes, like this movie would have gotten very grating. Yeah, exactly. What's funny is that, like, you know, at the time this got, like, I think, like, pretty decent critical reviews. Um, but I remember on the Cisco and Ebert show, um, Ebert didn't see the show and he was like, oh, the show looks, uh, movie looks funny. I can't wait to see it or whatever. But Cisco was like, this movie was awful. Like, oh, this is like so grating. And like, I don't get this juvenile hero, uh, humor. And like, Cisco named it the worst movie of 1985. It's like, all right, come on, Cisco, lighten up a little bit. You can learn to laugh. <laughs> Yeah, but that was like half the fun of that show was that they like he didn't know how to laugh and had like a giant stick up his ass. Um, and so, yeah, basically, like the the way it went was that Cisco just shits on this movie. And then Ebert's like, I haven't seen it, but based on those clips we just saw, this looks funny. I got to see it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I think with a lot of great movies, like this is one of those movies I wouldn't put it in like a Pantheon film. Right. But it's a good movie. Um where is that like like i feel like a good movie is going to attract a lot more haters where it's just it's really not going to work for them at all versus like like a pantheon movie like just a good fellas right or godfather like one of those ones that people just put up there at the top um and like i i i don't think this is like tim burton's best movie um but i i think it's a good start for his first feature um, and like the only real like Tim Burton scene, or I guess there's two, like the magic shop was fully Tim Burton. And then the uh, the dream sequence in the hospital after he crashes the uh, the bike, that was also very, very Tim Burton. The the whole large marts uh, like sequence and like, you know, scenes um, were like, I also felt like Tim Burton just like flexing his muscles, like, all right, here's what I can bring to the table a little more. <laughs> yeah, I feel like getting that performance out of the actress who played large March was like, very tim burton to get that get that tone get that kind of um 
but that kind of performance. What's crazy is as this being a Warner Brothers movie, I mean, you know, between this and Beetlejuice, that's what convinced Warner Brothers like this is the guy with Batman. Here we go. So what was the right the right call? Yeah, a hundred percent. So I mean, like what a one two punch and just like immediately put his career on track. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. All right, Tommy. Who is the star of Pee Wee Herman? Who has the best performance out of anybody? <laughs> I mean, this is probably the easiest one we've ever done. Um, I mean, this yeah. is obviously Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman himself. I mean, like, obviously, this movie, just like the tone just revolves around his character in a way that's just like very fun to see. And, you know, he just gives such a great, like, cartoonish performance that's not grating in a way that it could easily. So. Yeah, that's yeah. the very big surprising part is that it, it, like I was very worried this is going to get grading um, for me, uh, but I it's obviously Paul Rubin. But, I, you know, I want to shout out Diane Salinger as Simone. She's excellent. E.G. E. Daly as Dottie. She's also great. Uh, Mark Holton's a good like childish uh, adversary for for Pee Wee uh, in his hometown. Um, I think those are. You, you know, were like the performances that really kind of stood out for me as, aside from Paul Rubens, but like he's mm. the only one that has like like everybody else has like five minutes of screen time like the Paul, the Paul Rubens putting this movie on his shoulders and carrying the performance I'm, all the way through. I am, I'm pretty sure he's in every single scene in this movie, so. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, which exactly. ends on the Warner Brothers lot where he steals the bike from a set, which which... The escalation of that was amazing too. Yeah. Just where it goes from like just like a random cowboy movie or ever like a surf movie, then to like Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, you're just like, okay, like how? Like it was just like, okay, they got the surf scene in. Okay, got it. And then there was like one more. There was like two. I can't remember what the second one was, but then then it was the Godzilla. Then I think it was like one more as well. Where they? Oh, it was the. Uh, was that Twisted Sister singing a music video on the? That set? was one hundred percent Twisted Sister. That was yeah, Twisted Sister. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> Twisted Sister. Yeah, where they just like ride through the music video, and I was just like, you know, it was at the point of like, this is funny because it's it's longer than it needs to be. Um, yeah. that worked, and then and the I think the biggest one was the the animal rescue. Um, right after that, because then of course <laughs> yeah. he like goes and rescues. He sees a a pet store on fire as soon as he gets off the lot and he yeah. goes and rescues all these these pets he did not want to rescue the snakes but he he finally does like he makes that face yeah. like five times being like and they're like this guy's a hero let's go there's one it, thing about that scene though that um because of nope whenever i see a chimpanzee in a movie i'm like oh no <laughs> I'm like oh no <laughs> yeah yeah but nope will have that effect on you uh but yeah like that was just another one of those long like like longer like like i'm like okay like got it he saved the dogs okay got it oh oh you're gonna go back and save the the birds like you almost want to speed up but it's just like just you laugh at how long it is it's the family guy knee gag right that's yeah yeah exactly where it's just like it goes on for too long it's almost it almost feels like it's there to get to the 90 minute runtime exactly um, yeah, it, it literally feels like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a very nice, like heroic thing for Pee Wee to do. That makes him makes the Warner Brothers want to sign him on and buy his life rights instead of getting him arrested for stealing their property, which is actually his property. Um, 
But yeah, I wanted to like shout out the ending because it's kind of wild. Amazing. <laughs> ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, would Pee Wee's Big Adventure work as a Muppet adaptation? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, I mean this yeah. is practically just the Muppet movie. And yeah, this is in, practically in a, a Muppet <laughs> movie if you just keep Pee Wee in there and you just have all the the characters, the rest of the characters in the uh, replaced I, with Muppets. Like it would be perfect. It, it would be exactly like pitch perfect. I mean, like we uh, shared a photo on our Instagram the day that uh, Paul Rubens passed away of uh, him with Kermit the Frog, and you know, I mean, he was on the Muppets himself. Like you know, he's. Uh, doing different incarnations and he just fits right in that cartoony world the ending is straight out of the muppet movie or it's just like, yeah oh, here's it, it, your movie it, the ending is very very muppet-esque where they're watching the drive-through and he like he gives mickey the hot dog and he tries to sneak the file and well, he's like good 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 try Wee, right like the cop just yeah. takes it and just like it's like that it's like okay this is it's a cartoon and like you're you know that up to this point um and yeah that was uh very that was very fun um yeah muppet adaptation totally tommy review time give me your score out of five all right so um first time watching not my first peewee's uh movie first one was an epic one which i like too but this was just a very very fucking funny movie for me i mean i kept on laughing out loud which i don't often do when i'm watching comedies um by myself but you know this just the absurdity of it just kept on just reaching my funny bone in a way and i felt constantly entertained and i think tim burns direction really just made this very interesting in a visual way and a visual aesthetic too and i'm gonna give this a four out of five so um very fun movie i feel like i'm gonna watch this a lot so yeah <laughs> for me i i want to say it's a three out of five it's a fun kids movie from uh you know a, a prior age um i just kind of think that's the height of the element it just uh, like all the p like specifically the biker scene was the one that kind of like took me out of the movie for a minute there where i was just like this isn't funny to me and it's just not working um but there is a charm to peewee like i get why he was a big character um and uh it's it's very interesting to dive back into like a almost a time capsule of like the 1980s uh hmm. of of peewee herman being a popular character um yeah definitely worth the watch if you've never seen it before um yeah that was a, a great movie yeah all right tommy any final thoughts before we sign off today well thank you guys so much for listening um we're going to have to cover other tim burton movies but you can follow us on uh, social media at seen pod that's on uh twitter um x i guess instagram um and tiktok and i guess technically threads but we're that's dead we're not going to talk about that as much um and leave us a five-star review apple spotify wherever you get your podcast really helps out the show um and next week um when frankton just died this week so we're gonna be covering sorcerer next yeah we were talking about it uh william friedkin passed away we covered the exorcist last year with the film versus film podcast and this year i think maybe we'll just do we'll do a sorcerer for friedkin we could do um, the French Connection as well, but I've heard sort like really good things about Sorcerer, so I'd be very excited to check that out and uh, go back to William Friedkin world where he's just one of the most blunt, direct people. That's kind of a lunatic, and I love him. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and then we'll we're figuring out the rest of our August schedule. But thank you all so much for listening today. We will see you next week. <laughs>